ויש לי עוד מסר בשבילם, לא פחות חשוב. We'll be back soon. He's back. Well, probably. Israeli elections being Israeli elections and Israeli politics being Israeli politics, the narrator of this explainer would be greatly obliged to you, the listener, if you'd hear all this with an implied refrain of as we go to air or at time of writing or whatever hedge against events you prefer. But it would seem that, following Israel's fifth general election in a little over three years, Benjamin Netanyahu is going to be Prime Minister of Israel again. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is seeking a fourth term in office. Israeli leader Benjamin Netanyahu appears headed for an historic fifth term. <laughs> election officials say voter turnout was at its highest level in 23 years. Even by the standards of a region renowned for unlikely comebacks from apparently terminal positions, it is quite the resurgence. A less obdurately, some might say boneheadedly, determined figure would have hung it up long ago. Among the factors mitigating against Netanyahu's return to the Prime Minister's residence appeared to be the following. He is 73 years old, he has already served five terms as Prime Minister, he is still on the hook on corruption charges which could see him imprisoned, and as a consequence of all the above, an electorally forbidding plurality of his fellow citizens are entirely sick of him. And yet... Here we appear to be. Exit polls and early returns suggest that Netanyahu's conservative bloc will command a thinnish but workable majority in the Knesset, perhaps 64 or 65 of 120 seats. A victory which, if its slenderness is confirmed, could well tee up yet another general election in reasonably short order. Any especially stressed Israeli cephologists craving a richly deserved holiday would be well advised to take it in the next few weeks before things fall to pieces yet again. Israeli governments are by definition coalition governments. Not once since the state's foundation in 1948 has a single party won an absolute majority. <laughs> These arrangements are frequently riotously unwieldy, which is why they collapse so often. Israel's most recent government is an extreme but instructive example. Even to corral a perilously tiny majority, it had to not only get eight parties to sign on, but to persuade two prime ministers to take turns at the top job. Ironically, given the consequences of this coalition's collapse in June, pretty much the only point of agreement binding it together was a shared dislike of Benjamin Netanyahu. Netanyahu's likely coalition will not be as diverse, but could plausibly be at least as rancorous and unworkable. The key partner for Netanyahu's Likud party will be the religious Zionists ticket, about whom it may be fairly said that there is a clue in the name. The religious Zionists appear on course to double their vote from last time out, from a little over 5% to a little more than 10%. That large global constituency, which has long found Benjamin Netanyahu quite the belligerent nationalist, has not seen anything yet. One of the stars of the religious Zionists' bloc is Itamar Ben-Gvir, leader of one of its component parties, Otzma Yehudit, or Jewish Power. 
Ben-Gvir has been convicted for incitement to racial hatred. As a teenager facing national service, he was rejected by the Israel Defense Forces due to his political crankery. Indeed, one former IDF chief of staff, Dan Halutz, recently cautioned that Ben-Gvir's ideas could sow the seeds of civil war. Ben-Gvir has, at the least, been an admirer of Mir Kahan, an infamously ultra-hardcore conservative kook who, during his time in the Knesset in the 1980s, would often speak to an empty house as his disgusted fellow MKs walked out. Until really quite recently, Ben-Gvir hung on the wall of his home in the West Bank settlement of Kiryat Arba a portrait of Baruch Goldstein, a lunatic who in 1994 shot dead 29 Palestinians worshipping at the Cave of the Patriarchs in Hebron. During this election campaign, Ben-Gvir found himself having to clarify that he no longer supported expelling his fellow Israeli citizens who are also Arabs. Ben-Gvir at least attempted a measure of conciliation at his election night party. Addressing those who did not vote for him, he declared, we're all brothers. It was an apt choice of phrase. The few women permitted to be present were all standing at the back. All of which is by way of noting that even Benjamin Netanyahu might find governing in any sort of cahoots with Itamar Ben-Gvir something of a handful. It is not yet certain that he will have to. Netanyahu is nothing if not a wily operator, ditto Israel's president, Isaac Herzog. Both will be aware that awarding cabinet posts to someone with Ben-Gvir's inclinations will spook Israel's staunchest ally, the United States. President Biden... It was and is a great friend of Israel, is a great supporter. And its newer ones, the Arab countries which Netanyahu successfully courted during his previous term. Before a vote was cast in this election, there was a consensus that it was essentially a referendum on Benjamin Netanyahu. This was not an innovative analysis. Much the same had been said about the four previous elections since 2019 and might well be said again about another election a few months from now. For the moment, Netanyahu has trapped himself and his country in a corner with the toxic extremist right. He doesn't need to look far to see who led it there. For Monocle24, I'm Andrew Mullet.